Welcome to the Horse Talk Show. You never heard of a talking horse? With your host, Louisa Barton. I want to be a famous rider. Presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Truth is, I help horses with people problems. Now here's the Brit with the bit, Louisa Barton! Yeah, baby! Yeah. Welcome to the Horse Talk Show presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. I'm Louisa Barton in the studio with my co-host Paulette Stout. And uh, we are kicking off a great show with uh, lots of horse information for you. We're going to start off with a news segment. Then we're going to chat to my favorite guest, Hall of Fame uh, turf writer Steve Haskin. He's the best. He's mm -hmm. always got a wealth of information. Uh, we're also going to be talking to Dr. Samantha Carter. We're going to talk about heaves, which is definitely something that horses here in Florida have to deal with quite a bit in the summer. Then we're going to end the Peterson and Smith uh, first part of the show and start back up with the Palm Chevrolet sponsored second half of the show. Paulette Stout and I for the first segment. And then we have uh, Dr. Ryan from uh, Epic Equine Performance Innovative Center talking about rehab and conditioning for horses. And then we will close it out with episode six of At Home with the Pirellis, where legends Pat and Linda Pirelli uh, are chatting to us about their behind the scenes life as well as starting their program and all the things that went into making them the success that they really are. So um, it's uh, an interesting place to be now in the United States of America. Um, certainly a lot of challenges that we have uh, been facing and the horse world is certainly not uh, exempt from all of that craziness as uh, we've seen a lot of things including the Olympics postponed and a number of other things. Um, we started off with um, quite an exciting race last weekend that we're going to talk to Steve Haskin about uh, quite a bit because the horse that won it plays into his Did derby, doesn't I didn't. But, you know, I had to <laughs> bet on the Florida bread that was in the race. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to do mm -hmm. that. Um, bread what did you use to bet with? Um, I, mean, I went on their NYRA betting site. Mm -hmm. um, but so, you know, Mark Cassie, we call him Ocala's Mark Cassie, just delivered the... Um, Belmont and Preakness yeah. trophies to the new yeah. hotel downtown for the new new, 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 museum. new museum. Can you say that three times? Yeah. Um, so uh, I, you know, I always root for Mark Cassie because yeah. he's an Ocala bred. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nearly, almost. He was very young. Um, but also, um, his horse Tap It to Win uh, was bred here at Live Oak Stud. So I always have to be rooting for for that. Of course. You know, bred here, trained here, Mark yeah. Cassie. Yeah, you know. Of course. Um, but Tis the Law ran a great race and uh, did a fine job and we're happy for Barclay Tag. So we'll talk about that. But I bet, you know, um, uh, tap it to win to win and then tap it to win to come first or second with Tis the Law. And that didn't happen. So I didn't win any money. But that's OK. I'm I'm <gasps> I'm happy that everybody came out fine and healthy. How did and the handle do on that with the, with not having anybody in the stands? How did that work? Well, apparently. It was record-breaking as far as viewers, you know. And, See, that's and, amazing because I know, and it's it's good and it's bad. Yeah, I mean, you understand that, yes. you know. But apparently, they finished atop the week's television ratings among sports events um, and hit a peak of four million viewers during one part of the program. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're we're getting retrained to do things more virtually anyway, right? Because mm -hmm. virtual's the thing. So we're already getting trained for that, and then this pandemic or whatever it is. Sure threw it um, into that. Yeah, certainly got us on to like Zoom calls and doing things remotely and all that. So I think that we've sort of been programmed in the last five months or so to be that way anyway. So then popping in a race like that, it was weird. I mean, when they were, I you know, when it, they were interviewing yeah. the jockey afterwards, he was pulling his mask <laughs> down, you know. <laughs> and when you looked across the stands, they were yeah. empty. So it was weird. It was a. It was very weird. Um, but um, congratulations to Barclay Tag and the Tisalor team because uh, that was the 152nd running of the Belmont Stakes, um, and the first one to not have an audience, yeah. and the first yeah. one to run at less than a mile and a half. Yeah. So um, Barclay Tag said. 
hurry up with the trophy presentation. I want to get back to my horses. And um, he's a veteran conditioner, you know, great reputation, great guy. And, um, you know, we're thrilled uh, that he did so well. And we have to mention Gamine because, wow, uh, trained by Bobby Dodd here in Ocala, mm -hmm. sold for $1.8 million um, and won, I think, by over 18 lengths in the mm -hmm. acorn. So congrats there. And um, very, very exciting. That was certainly home run. Yes. And you know what's nice? I'm not a, you know, big, like, women deliverer or anything. But, um, but Smullen, who is the exercise writer of uh, Tis the Law, mm -hmm. is a female. Mm -hmm. And um, Barclay Tag gives her a lot of credit for the exercise riding, um, you know, part of that, which is really important. The person that rides the horse every well, day is you know, important. Well, a lot of times they like a female better just because of the female touch. Yes, exactly. Uh, and then Manny Franco, of course, was the jockey, so congratulations. Well done, Manny Franco. And um, first time in, what, I think 100 years or something, that a New York bred won the Belmont in New York. So that's, um, that's pretty cool. Questions? Uh, will be, of course, um, out there, will it still mean the same thing, being the Triple Crown, when it's not ran like that? Uh, Mark Cassie's answer to that was, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> and he would have, if he could have. Uh, anyway, back to some other news. McKinsey, who uh, we remember very well, a uh, very, very exceptional horse that uh, was in Bob Baffert's stable and uh, won actually over $3.4 million, has... Um, had an incredible career and will be retiring to stud at Gainesway. I wish I could stay just up the road from here in the horse <laughs> capital, but unfortunately I can't because it's not here. Uh, we wish. The Longines FEI Endurance World Championships for 2020 have been postponed until May of 2021 due to the ongoing impact of the um, COVID-19 pandemic. Um, I don't know if you know, but in Latin, Ovid or Ovidius means sheep. Not that that has anything to do with this, but <laughs> just, just an interesting fact. Um, the decision comes following an agreement between the FEI and the Italian National Federation and the organizers in Pisa. Uh, the championships were due to be held there in Italy in September, but due to the um, COVID-19, they've um, uh, adjusted those things accordingly, as have many events Good news, Juan Matut Guimon, I hope I pronounce his name properly, I'm not very good at that, um, addressed his well wishes on social media for the first time since collapsing and falling unconscious, uh, very sadly, almost seven weeks ago from a brain bleed. He's back stronger than ever, 22-year-old shared with his 64,800 Instagram followers on June 19th. Thank you to everyone for your love, support, and prayers. If he has that many followers, we probably need to get him on the show. Yeah. Uh, he was actually airlifted to the hospital in Madrid where he un underwent a surgery actually on May 6th and 9th to stop the brain bleeding. Um, it was actually caused by an arterial, vin I don't even know how to pronounce that, but anyway, it was a problem in his brain. And um, thank God he's going to be okay. It looks like he's going to uh, be back better than ever. So uh, we're very excited about that. And uh, thank you for all your prayers for him as he uh, gets back to back to normal and back on horseback. We're going to come back with Hall of Famer Steve Haskin on the telephone with us. We're going to chat about the Belmont results, about Gamine, possibly our next Zenyatta, and also about his trail to the Derby as it continues in the Derby dozen. Stay with us on the Horse Talk Show presented this hour by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. We'll be right back.
This show is sponsored in part by Hilton Garden Inn. Downtown Louisville, only five miles from Churchill Downs, enjoy the two most exciting minutes in sports, plus a hearty breakfast and a mimosa, and let Hilton Garden Inn do the rest. Book for Derby 2020 now. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. Back on the second segment of the Horse Talk Show, presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. I have my co-host, Paulette Stout, in the studio with me. And then my very favorite guest, joining us by phone. One of these days, we're going to have to get him to Ocala. That's our Hall of Famer, best turf writer in the whole entire world, and best looking, Steve Haskin. Oh, oh you, you see, you had, you, you had people fooled Right in the beginning over there, and then you lost them with the last line. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Steve. Welcome back to the show. It's lovely to have you with us. Uh, last weekend was rather exciting. Um, sort of, uh, I think February is when you had Tis the Law as number one, and I think since February, I think February 5th, you had him as number one on the, on the derby list, and then I think every single derby dozen since then, you've had Tis the Law as number one. And I think before that, the, 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 the worst spot you had him in, I think, was fourth. So apparently, either you've got a crystal ball or you're pretty good at what you do. Well, you know, you like to think after 50 years, you know what to look at. Uh, you know, I, I, I only started him off um, number four because I, you just, I just wanted to see, I wanted to see him, re, you know, recover from that Kentucky Jockey Club fiasco. Right. You know, so uh, once he did, and and I was kind of high on this Dennis's moment, and he just had one problem after another. He did. Uh, who knows how good he could have been. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, once I started seeing Tis the Law, this, the same Tis the Law I saw as a two-year-old when he won the champagne, um, he just jumped right back up there. Because I'm a big fan of the champagne. Old school, I, I always like champagne winners. If you can win... I like right, champagne, right, period. Right, right. <laughs> two-year-old. <laughs> yes, exactly. So what would you say to the critics who might say, well, he was the lone grade one winner um, and blah, 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 and all of you know the stuff the critics say about him not having a lot of competition in the race? Well, I mean, they have a point. You know, as much as I love the horse... You know, you, you have to you have to look at the, at everything on Saturday logically, right. and I, I honestly don't know what to make of the Belmont or the Acorn. I I, I know this is going to go against what most people believe, but other than tis the law, I'm throwing out that whole day of racing because it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me, and I can't get a grasp of it. Uh, tis tis the law's Belmont was visually impressive, and I still consider him a you know a machine who looks like a potential superstar because he has no weaknesses. He can adapt to any pace, uh, and trainers have to be frustrated trying to figure out how to beat him. Right. So, you know, he, he lost no luster at all. But with that said, let's look at the field for the, Bel for the Belmont Stakes. No matter how you look at, at it, I mean, this was not a classic caliber field. It's his law, like you said, not only being the lone grade one winner, but the field consisted of only three other horses to be even running a grade one, and none of whom had even finished in the money and were beaten an average of 26 lengths. So, you know, also, the second-place finisher had only won a listed race. The third-place finisher had only won a grade three race and hadn't run in nearly five months. And the fourth and fifth-place finishers had only won a maiden race and an allowance race. Uh, but I, you know, I do think Dr. Post and Max Player are legitimate and have bright futures. But that's not a classic field. That's, no. You know, no matter how you look at it, no. If it's... you follow, if you follow the buyer numbers, you know, Tisdalaw's buyer of 100 was, I mean, nothing to rave about for a so-called classic race. And his third ref number was a point, a full point slower than his first two races this year. Yes, it's true. And it, well, who knows what would have happened if Charlatan or. Nadal or one of those had been in there. It could have been a whole well, different... Maxfield. Yeah, yeah. It could have been a whole you know, different deal, right? <laughs> yeah, and if you, if you look at Tisdalaw's final ace, you know, a 12 flat, and you say, wow, you know, that's fast. Even on a souped-up track, it's fast. 
But the fact is, both the second and third place finishes, with average at best speed figures, came home their final eighth at 11-3 and 11-4. So you can't make much of that either. No. No, it's funny. It's a, it's a, listen, it was a sporting event that four million people viewed. That was good. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, you know what? And everything was great in the yeah. fact that racing, you know, had had it, it, it was the highest watched sport, sporting event of the weekend, which yeah. you never hear of that. Right. And the fact that it was the first major sporting event, you know, to be on display. Right. So, I mean, it's still got three hours of coverage on NBC. It did and everybody, everybody was watching, whether whether it be out of, you know, interest or desperation. Watching. <laughs> desperation. Well, you know, at least it was only the jockeys that had to wear masks, not the horses. <laughs> well, that's, that, that's true. But the one thing NBC sh I shouldn't have done, they shouldn't have shown so many aerial views of Belmont with the desolation of Belmont Park. You know, yeah. and then and then and then they go and they show. They keep showing you Times Square that looked like the apocalypse. Or I something. know. Uh, I know. Uh, you know, we don't need to be reminded that the world has gone crazy. We no. don't need to see an empty Times Square no. or an empty Belmont Grandstand. Just keep the camera looking out at the track and let's pretend everything is normal. Yes. Well, you know what? Now they can make those people, right? You know, they can make people. <laughs> people yeah, they can. You know, they can make the little computer people. They should have just put some computer. Oh no, then everybody would have fussed. Never mind. Okay, so talk about Gamine. Um, that was um, a heck of an interesting race. Um, is that? I see comments from people. The next Zenyatta. Uh, super horse. Um, thoughts of like eighteen lengths win. If she's next to anything, it's Rachel Alexander and not Zenyatta. But I mean, you know, let's let's wait a while. She's run three times, right? You know, and, and the thing is, you know, you have to you have to look. I'm I'm convinced that there was something there was something screwy about that track, other than the fact that it was blazing. Mm -hmm. You know, because if you just going back to the Belmont, if you exclude Tis the Law, the three most accomplished horses in the race. Who had run well and graded stakes all year was Soli Volante, Modernist, and Farmington Road. Mm -hmm. And Luca Panici, who rode Soli Volante, said after the race that he, he could tell five strides out of the gate that Soli Volante wasn't handling the track. You know, I didn't buy that at first because that's a fallback excuse. Mm -hmm. But then I got the thoroughgraph numbers yesterday, and it was very interesting that Soli Volante had run a solid two and a quarter on thoroughgraph three times. And ran a and ran a nine and three quarters in the Belmont, which is a gigantic collapse. And the other two horses, if you look if you look at them, and I'm and I'm and I'm getting to Gamine because this applies to that too. But if you look at uh, Modernist, was coming off a thoroughbred number of three in the Louisiana Derby and ran a twelve in the Belmont. And Farmington Road was coming off three straight fours, and he ran an eleven and a half. So three of the four most accomplished horses in the field, so their thoroughbred numbers drop off dramatically, mm -hmm. which means they basically did no running. Mm. As for Gamine, <laughs> there's, no, there's no way to analyze this race right. because, because it's so off the chart. And again, you have to look at the track factor. In Gamine's first two races, she ran a five on thoroughbred, which is good for a young three-year-old filly right. starting off her career. So how does she go from... F two fives to a negative three and a quarter. Mm. I mean, you know who's run that fast this year? Mm. Nobody. Nobody. Oh. Nobody. So how does a three-year-old filly with two lifetime starts coming off a photo finish jump a ridiculous eight and a quarter points to win by almost 19 lengths? No, I have no incredible. answer, so I can't dissect <laughs> or analyze this race in any way. I think she's a tremendous filly. Yes. But... But that, not that tremendous. I know. I mean, that was that, that was ridiculous. That was the shocker of the weekend. It was pretty amazing. Um, Steve, one last question because I think um, I think we're about to get the one minute sign. Uh, is Tis the Law staying in your spot right now for the Derby, or are we way too soon to tell? You mean is he going to be number one? Yes. Oh sure. Yeah. And let's put it this way: it's him and Honor Code, and then there's a a a, a, a huge crevasse to the, to the rest of the horses. I mean, yes. right now, I, I don't see anybody to put in that class. I mean, who are you going to put in there? 
Oh, yeah, you guys are looking at, uh, yeah, Dr. Post, a Max player. There's a few horses coming up. In fact, keep an eye tomorrow, by the way. Yes. There's two, there's two interests. There's the Easy Goer Stakes is at Belmont tomorrow. Mm -hmm. There's a horse there named Sonneman, who I really, really like, who just got turned over to Steve Ashmussen. And there's another horse called Casino Grande, who was undefeated in two starts. So it's not too late to still find, you know, the hidden gems somewhere. Steve, I want to thank you. I could talk to you for two more hours, but Tom just gave me the old um, finger, you know, which well, means well, you're in trouble. Well, Tom, and uh, <laughs> you know, just give him the finger back. <laughs> Steve, thank you for being with us again. We love it. You're always a wealth of information. Hopefully we'll have you back on the show very soon. Got to wrap it up and come back with Dr. Samantha Carter from Peterson and Smith. Stay with us on the Horse Talk Show. This show is presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital, one of the top equine hospitals in the USA with services including ambulatory, surgery, sports medicine, reproduction, and with doctors on call 24 hours a day. Check them out now at petersonsmith.com. The opinions of the hosts and guests on the host talk show are not necessarily that of Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. This show is brought to you in part by Summit Joint Performance, promoting a healthy, thick synovial fluid, decreasing inflammation in the joints and improving the cushioning properties of the cartilage pads. All age horses can benefit from Summit Joint Performance. Our Facebook broadcast sponsor is Larson Farms. The Larson Farms mission is simple, to be the leader in quality and value. Richard owner of Larson Farms is committed to a positive attitude, integrity, dedication, quality and teamwork. Larson Farms is committed to being your supplier of Idaho's finest alfalfa, a complete line of mixed and grass hay. Larson Farms, Idaho's finest alfalfa. This show is brought to you in part by New Millennium Realty. Owner and broker Brian Cox loves this community and wants to help you find your place in the horse capital of the world. Like them on Facebook or find them at allfarmsmatter.com. New Millennium Realty, the future of real estate. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. Back on the Horse Talk Show, presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. I'm Louisa Barton in the studio with my co-host, Topper Question, Paulette Stout. And joining us by phone, we have Dr. Samantha Carter from Peterson and Smith. She's been on the show with us before. Uh, welcome back. It's lovely to have you with us. And, Thank um, you. Thanks for having me. Yes. We're going to talk about something that definitely pops up at this time of year as it's getting hotter and hotter. And uh, that is the heaves. And um, a lot of people experience their horses, uh, particularly I notice a lot of older horses, um, but, or, or any that are challenged uh, immune systems. But mm -hmm. um, a lot of people notice their, their horses sort of panting and they're not used to seeing that, so they're a little alarmed to call the veterinarian. Um, Dr. Carter, tell us about diagnosing uh, the heaves. Um. Diagnosing heaves sometimes depends on um, the severity of the case. Um, in severe cases, we can just diagnose it based on clinical signs. Um, in milder cases, um, we can do a test called a BAL um, and take basically a sample of the cells in the lungs of the horse and diagnose it based on that. And also just listening to the horse lungs, it makes a distinct sound when they have heaves. Um, and we can diagnose it based on that. And they have a sort of a particular appearance in a lot of times where um, they've been they've drawn in breathing so heavily that you can sort yeah. of notice some of those like flared nostrils or mm -hmm. maybe their lungs are a little exaggerated on the on the flanks on the side there. You can sort of see it's a, um, it's a pronounced exertion. Is yes. it considered emphysema? Doctor Carter. Um, is, it, is it similar to emphysema? Yes. Um, it's been described that way. Um, currently, they're calling it more of an equine asthma. Um, Which means, it, what, what it, how would you describe that? Asthma would be an inflammation, wouldn't it? Yeah, and that's primarily what heaves is. It's like an allergic response in the lungs of the horse causing inflammation, which um, causes constriction of the bron bronchioles in the lower part of the lung. 
what are the what are the most effective um, treatments for this? And of course, it's a bit difficult here because it's so hot <laughs> for yeah. several months a year. So it's a bit of a challenge. But what are the most successful treatments? Um, our primary goal with treatment is changing the environment, um, so removing any like dusty aspect to their environment. So wetting down hay or removing hay entirely, um, turning them outside with good ventilation. Um, in some cases, um, they're pasture-associated heaves, so we have to put them in a stall because their allergens are related um, to the pasture they're grazing on. Oh, so sometimes yeah. it, you know, depending case to case, then it might be, but you might need to put the horse in the stall, possibly yeah. with a with a fan or. So does it depend on when our pollen times? Um, is that when heaves gets worse, or is it worse in the fall, or or it, does it matter? Um, it does matter, and it kind of depends on the horse. I feel like in Florida, it really kind of ramps up in the summer with the heat because that also puts a stress on the respiratory system. But you do see it a lot in the fall um, when you get that change in the allergens in the environment. Now, do you generally see this in association with or in conjunction with um, non-sweaters? And does one tend to cause the other? Does a non-sweater start to heave? Or does a horse that heave, heaves maybe stop sweating? Yeah, I think it could go either way. Um, when a horse has heaves, they're not going to be able to thermoregulate properly and blow heat basically off their body. Um, and then the non-sweating, um, that can, you know, anytime the body is stressed, um, they can stop sweating. And I think the chronic nature of heaves can kind of induce it that way, too. Uh, and is the prognosis overall very good for these horses? And does that vary from, you know, whether they're younger or, or maybe perhaps older, where they're already a bit more compromised anyway? Yeah, I think a lot of it depends case by case. Um, with the older horses that are immunocompromised, they're going to have a harder time responding um, to the environmental changes in the medications. Um, and I would gauge the prognosis on a horse based on how they respond initially to the environment changes, because some can be managed by environment alone, um, and then whether or not if they need medication, how they respond to that. And if they need medication, it would be anti-inflammatory uh, general mm -hmm. medications, things like prednisone and that sort of thing. Is that what you recommend? Yeah, our go-to is the steroids like Dex or prednisone, um, and then a bronchodilator like Ventipulmin. Mm-hmm. Yes. Does, does the heaves get worse or does it stay pretty much the same as the horse ages? Um, oftentimes we see that heaves does get worse um, as the horse ages, um, but it kind of depends on how kind of diligent um, the owner is with controlling the environment and how quickly they start medications at the um, onset of the disease. Now, I know a lot of people run to the hose and, you know, trying to cool horses off that heave, that see, and that seems to help a little bit. But I know it's very important that they're well squeegeed off after a hosing mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. because I know they'll retain a lot of heat if you hose them down right. and you don't get all the water off. Do you recommend that on hot days if you do have a horse that needs to stay turned out? Oh, yeah. Um, especially in the, the heat of the day, I would definitely hose a, uh, hose a horse down and then completely scrape the water off and then repeat it a couple times depending on how how hot the horse is. And then what about, um, you know, a, a heaver that is not sweating um, either either way around, whether the heaving causes the non-sweating or the non-sweating causes the heaving. Mm -hmm. Do you recommend any of the things a lot of people say, like they've tried beer and vodka, yeah. and I think that just makes a happy horse, but anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I've heard things, you know, one AC, and then of course I give my horses the DAC electrolytes and things like that. Yeah. Do you Do those things seem to, I mean, I know there's, you probably don't have anything scientific on any of those that you can speak right. about, but, um, you know, do you find a lot of people do that and say it works? Yeah, I do, um, especially um, when you have an on-sweater in Florida, you kind of reach for anything that you have. And I have and a beer. It's usually what we uh, have, yeah, right? I <laughs> um, 
have success with 1AC and supplementing extra electrolytes, um, especially if they're not, if they're sweating mm -hmm. more because they're breathing heavier or if they're not sweating at all. Um, and anecdotally, I have a ton of clients tell me like, oh yeah, it's a non-sweater, give it a beer. <laughs> and they say that it works. Um, I haven't personally seen it work, so. <laughs> It's yeah, interesting, it like, well, like I said, yeah. you know, alcohol makes most people sweat, let's face it. Oh, yes, <laughs> I think that's uh, where wow. that idea came from. Yeah. Um, Dr. Carter, any final tips? Uh, I know we're getting very close to the end of this segment, but any final tips that you'd like to give our listeners on, uh, on heaves? Um, just to be diligent with your environmental control and call your vet as soon as you um, notice any signs of heaves, which again were that the heave line, coughing, um, a nasal flare at rest, and stuff like that. Just things to look out for, and those flared nostrils. Quite often, when they they look like they're panting like a dog, or yeah. perhaps you've noticed that they aren't sweating as much, and then they start panting like a dog. That's kind of time exactly. to time to call the vet, mm -hmm. right? Definitely. Great. Thank you, Dr. Samantha Carter from Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. You can reach out to them at 352-237-6151 for one of their ambulatory vets to come out. And you can check them out at petersonsmith.com. Thank you so much. And we'll be back with the second half of the Horse Talk Show in just a few minutes. Stay with us. This show is brought to you in part by Tax Shack of Ocala, the horse lover's candy store proudly offering customer halters, race tack, whips, blinkers, belts, dog collars, and more. Tack Shack of Ocala, one-stop shopping for all your horse needs. This show is sponsored in part by Equus Inn. When visiting the horse capital of the world, you want to stay at a hotel that reminds you of what you love about Ocala, the horses. Stay tuned to this show for announcements about the renovations to be completed fall 2019 at the Equus Inn by following them on Facebook and Instagram at Equus Inn. This show is sponsored in part by All In Removal. Like jockey and horse, shavings delivery and manure removal go together naturally and are the green natural solution too. All In Removal offers a great way to save you money combining the two services of quality pine shavings delivery and manure container rental and removal. Great service, great quality and the green choice too. Like All In Removal on Facebook now or go to allinremoval.com for more information. This show is brought to you in part by TT Distributors, dedicated to bringing their customers the largest selection of quality horse supplements, products, and farrier supplies in Florida at affordable prices. Also online at ttdistributors.com. Welcome back to the Horse Talk Show. You never heard of a talking horse? Well, listen to this. <laughs> with your host, Louisa Barton. What does it feel like to be in love with a horse? Presented this hour by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy store. Now, here's your pretty, pretty Louisa Barton. You're fab, you're switched on, you're a bit of all right. Yes. <laughs> Back on the second half of the Horse Talk Show. Presented by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy experience. Thank you to Larson Farms. They are our Facebook broadcast sponsor, Idaho's Finest Alfalfa. I am Louisa Barton, the host of the show, and I have my co-host, Paulette Stout, with me here in the studio. Um, we've had the first half of the show. We've got a couple of great segments coming up for you. Um, we've had some requests for some questions about uh, equine rehab and some of the different techniques that are available and um, forms of therapy. So that's coming up after this. And then, actually, we're going to close out the show with... The Pirellis, I believe, were on episode six out at their farm when I had a chance to uh, go out and kind of learn about their behind the scenes, how they met, how they got the program started, uh, and all of that. But I want to do a quick shout out talking about therapy. So, um, funny story last week. Well, not really funny at the time, but I suppose it's sort of funny now. Um, I was leaving business after hours here downtown uh, where I work at the chamber, and I headed home to take care of my animals. And as most of you already know who follow the show, um, my Mustang comes in and, and stays in the round pen at night because he's rather proficient at jumping, unlike my old horses. Mm -hmm. And I'm always afraid in the night if he gets picked by something, he might jump the fence and be in the road. So I always put him in my very tall six-foot round pen. So that morning, a tree fell on my round pen. 
and um, sort of crushed it in. And shout out for Chad Meager from Coast to Coast Fencing, who popped straight over and chopped that huge big tree up for me. When I got home that night, I went to pull the round pen closed to put the Mustang in because we had opened it where the tree fell and didn't dawn on me that the other end wasn't hooked up as normal <laughs> to the rest of the round pen. Started to pull on that panel and as I pulled on that panel, all three panels fell on me. So anyway, um, moral of this story is do not go out at night on your own without your telephone or without your uh, iWatch. So mm -hmm. I didn't have anybody to, I could call and so uh, because I didn't have a way of calling except screaming out loud. And so I had to wriggle out from under the panels. And um, anyway, I hit myself on the head like I didn't have enough problems there. Um, smashed this arm fairly good. And at the time, I didn't realize that I mean, I knew it had fallen on my back, right, this big, huge panel. But I guess I had some inflammation because I didn't feel it until, really, until probably Saturday, and then I was really hurting. And by Sunday, I was like a grandma. I couldn't, mm. like, move. So uh, Monday, I did actually go to my chiropractor, Dr. Bruce, who did a number of different things and worked on me and adjusted me, and I, I certainly did improve uh, a lot from that one visit, planning to go back next week for another. But today, um, the Pulse Center of Ocala actually came out to do an equine demonstration of their Pulse PEMF uh, technique on my horse because they've recently started an equestrian uh, section of their program here, which has always been in this downtown area. And Miriam, uh, his uh, longtime horsewoman, great horsewoman, is actually taking over the sort of the equine portion of this. And so she came out to actually do a demonstration on Sunny. Uh, and I told her about what happened to me. And she said, here, I think you should sign here. And let me put it on you mm -hmm. as well. So mm -hmm. she did. And actually, I sat in the chair watching Sunny. She had the pulse on Sunny and the pulse on me. Yeah. And um, I was sitting in the chair. And honestly, I could have fallen asleep. Yeah. And I am so much better today. So I think the combination, you know, the chiropractic treatments mm -hmm. and then, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, following that up with the pulse. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to go back and have yeah. the PEMF again. Yeah. I've heard so many people tell me that that it does work. For, it works. There's a lot of different um, remedies for things. The only thing somebody of my age with with the things that are wrong with me, um, massage is the only thing that works for me. Chiropractic, because of the damage in my spine, they cannot twist me. You might snap in half. Oh, it will do. It, it's because of, of the problems and the and the arthritis and the things that are pressing on my nerves that to twist me is not a good thing. In fact, it can oh, it could make it worse. So, like all these modalities have got to fit what is actually wrong with you. And chiropractic actually actually works for you, but it will not for me. Massage is usually the only thing that will do it. And actually, prior to a massage, pulse would probably. Actually, work well, because that similar. relaxes you. Yeah, it's always first. trying yes. to relax the muscle, increase circulation. Before you have to, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, so anyway, shout out uh, to the Pulse Center. They cool. new equine um, part of that that Miriam is doing. And if you have any questions, um, please feel free to comment. If you would like to comment um, on this, please do, and you can share with us one of your funny stories. Perhaps you were stuck under a round pen panel. Uh, in the dark on your own. And well, the tongue. one thing I can tell you too, like you didn't have your phone, but the funny thing about having the phone, which I always had my phone attached to me when I was riding, and I had a horse flip over backwards and it broke my phone. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and you know, so if I had my the phone. The phone didn't work. So just remember those things yes. that sometimes it doesn't always work that way. Yes, so it is entirely possible um, that uh, yeah. the round pen panel could. Have, have broken your phone. phone. <laughs> um, but had I at least had this on, I could have said, you know, hey, Siri, can you? Oh, I didn't mean yeah. to do that. Sorry. I often um, wonder if those, the ones that are the life, you know, the, I forget what they call life something or other, and you can press it. And, and now they have it where I guess it's GPS oriented that you can talk to them. Oh, really? Yeah. Then I would feel like an old yeah. person, though. It used to be. It, <laughs> no, what well, used to be you had to be really close to Wi-Fi. You couldn't go away from it. So I don't know if they have that anymore. 
or it's just a little thing that, you know, I really wanted to have something like that. Well, I think if anybody had been watching me that evening, it probably would have been fairly <laughs> I, I've amusing. Had, I've had round pens fall on me, too, so I know exactly what you're talking about. It was a very uncomfortable experience <laughs> yes, overall, it was. I must say. And wriggling <laughs> out was a whole... I'm actually not yeah. entirely sure how I wriggled out from under them, yeah, yeah. but I did. Yeah. And I think yeah. it was desperation. Yeah. I thought, oh, my gosh. Um, it's way too late at night to be stuck in the dirt in the dark with the Mustang kind of looking at well, me. Well, when like, you think you about doing? it, there are so many injuries that go along with farm life. You never can imagine some of the predicaments you that go. you get into. Share with us your farm life predicament. We'd love to hear your story. Uh, you can message me on Facebook at the Horse Talk Show, or you can comment yeah. um, below this broadcast farm. and your. Because um, you just could never think. Like, I always thought I was real safe. I had my phone with me. Anything happens, I can call. And the first time a horse flipped over, my phone broke, and there I was. And it was 11 o'clock at night, and there was well, they, nobody they around. Well, they, <laughs> they do say that if you're out trail riding, don't have your phone on your horse. Because if, on you, <laughs> if you come up on the trail and your horse is not well-trained enough to stay with you and takes off, the horse has got the phone, and you're down here on the ground. It's not very Because you would a effective. lot of times attach a lot of things to the horse that leaves. Yes. Yes, and like these only work if your phone is within a certain number of, I don't know how many feet exactly. it is, but it's only. Exactly. So, so if your horse takes off at a gallop, even if you have this, it's not going to do you much good. Exactly. So really, I, so okay, so after this happened, I ordered a one of these... Um, because quite often when I go outside at night, I don't want to get eaten alive by mosquitoes. So I wear, I cover my legs and things, you know, so and we have one minute. So I actually ordered one of these things that goes around your middle and your phone goes in here and your gun goes in here and your ammo goes in here. So now I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> now I like it. Oh, my like God. Now I'll go when I go outside. You're <laughs> right. Nowadays, it's you got to carry an ammo and guns yes, and yes. phones. So now and... I'm armed both sides. Oh. So most likely, if it happens again, the worst case scenario is I'll shoot myself <laughs> by accident. <laughs> We're going to come back after this break. We're going to be talking. But send in those stories. Yeah, we'd love to have them. Yeah. Uh, we're going to come back with Dr. Alberto Rand from Epic. And we're going to talk about some rehab for horses. Stay with us on the Horse Talk Show presented by Palm Chevrolet. The Equine Performance Center Opala with numerous success stories and featuring the most advanced equine conditioning and rehab equipment available in the world today is striving to be the best in the nation. Find them on the web at epcrehab.com and like them on Facebook now. This show is brought to you in part by DAC Vitamins and Minerals of Florida. All horses need a solid immune system, excellent joint support, a healthy gut, and DAC has all the vitamins and minerals they need with the NASC stamp of approval. So like them on Facebook now or go to feeddac.com. DAC, it makes a world of difference. This show is brought to you in part by Horse Boxes USA, the newest and most advanced way to safely transport your horses in style. Horse Boxes USA comes standard with a backup camera, horse cabin camera, and dual fans. Visit them at JJ Tack Shop on Highway 40 in Ocala or online at horseboxesusa.com. This hour of the Horse Talk Show is presented by Palm Chevrolet in Ocala, where the entire team is committed to making your experience in sales and service hassle-free and easier than ever with no games or gimmicks. Come in and visit on Southwest College Road or online at palmchevrolet.com. A second-to-none experience with all the amenities. Palm Chevy, find new roads. This show is brought to you in part by Seminole Feed Stores, family-owned since 1934. Manufacturing fixed-formula horse feeds with mindful monitoring and quality ingredients right here in Ocala in an all-natural, non-medicated feed mill. Seminole Feed, simply the world's best and safest feed. Like them on Facebook now or find them at SeminoleFeed.com. This show is sponsored in part by Innova Wellness Spa, committed to providing the best, most advanced options available in the beauty and wellness for their valued patients. Find them on the web at InnovaWellnessSpa.com or like them on Facebook now to learn more about their non-invasive aesthetic enhancement procedures for the most amazing results. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. 
on the Horse Talk Show, second half of the show, presented by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy experience. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. We are talking about rehab. Had a lot of requests for uh, alternative treatments for rehabbing and conditioning horses, taking it over now to the epic story with Dr. Alberto Ruan. I'm Louisa Barton with the Horse Talk Show here at Epic, a very appropriate name for the Equine Performance Innovative Center. And I have Dr. Alberto Ruan, the mastermind behind probably the best equine rehab center in America and maybe even in the world. I think it'd be really neat to find out a little bit of Dr. Ruyan's background. So we're going to start with him as a child. Dr. Ruyan, lovely to have you with me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having us here. Uh, tell us about growing up. Do you hold the microphone? Sure. I hold it. Okay, great. You can have it. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was a very humbling introduction, and, and I think you're right. Definitely you're right. <laughs> um, well, growing up, I grew up as a kid in Puerto Rico, in the mountains of Puerto Rico, literally the mountains, we have a very small town called Juntas. And the town, just to give you an idea how small it is compared to Ocala, it has one traffic light that doesn't work. <laughs> and it still has one traffic light that doesn't work. <laughs> there are about, I don't know, maybe 19 to 20,000 uh, inhabitants in the town. And it was mostly agricultural when I grew up. So I grew up with cattle, coffee, uh, banana, plantains in a farm, and my daily life was the dream life. I would go to school and come back from school and get on a horse, go back and get my cattle, get them rounded up, and go to sleep. And I did that every day of my life. Wow. On Sundays and Saturdays, I picked coffee, picked banana, picked plantains, and we went to the farmer's market, get up at 2 a.m. in the morning on the weekends and go and sell our products. So we also had a lot of horses. Uh, I remember it was, uh, we used it for cattle. And we also had some Pasofino horses. And one time in 1988, my dad was training a horse. And unfortunately, he was actually hit by a car. And this car, this older gentleman had an asthma attack. And he hit my dad's, the, the horse that my dad was riding at the moment, who happened to be my horse? And I was not there, but I was in school. And on my way back from school, I saw a big commotion. And I didn't know what was going on. I didn't pay much attention. So when I got to my grandpa, they say, your dad had an accident. So obviously, we started running and see what happened. And that commotion was my dad having an accident. The car hit my horse on the back and broke its leg. And my dad fell on the road and broke his back. Three vertebrae, three herniated discs, and he spent a whole year in bed after that. He couldn't move for a whole year. And go backtrack a little bit. My horse, that horse was my best friend. I was eight at the moment. I saw him every day. I rode him every day. Aww. And I was quite devastated about the horse being in trouble, obviously. So I went, they transported the horse to the barn and there was no vet in town, no one that could attend the horse, because there was no vet in, my, in the mountains where I was coming from. And I knew I wanted to be a vet before, but at that moment, that moment that I saw that horse in the ground without getting up, that really, really sparkled my big interest into sports medicine and, and, and rehab. But most importantly, the when they finally found a vet, they came about two, three hours later, and they told us that there was nothing we could do for the horse. So what I did was I said, this just cannot happen again. So after that, that moment, I made the decision that I was not going to lose horses again. And we work hard and hard not to, hold on just one second. Ah, can we stop it? We can edit this out. Yeah. Can you? Can you tell him to stop? We, we I'm can, so sorry. Okay. It just distracts out. me a lot. Yeah, I know. No, we'll edit that out, don't okay. we? Okay, you can cut it up. Yeah, we'll cut that. Okay. All right, great. So, so where was I? So my, so my horse was in the ground, right? And I made the decision as soon as they say, there's nothing we can do for your horse. 
and we have to put him down. So at that moment, I made the decision that that was never going to happen again to me when I was a grown-up. So I guess that was a defining, obviously that was a defining moment in, in my life, right? And that pretty much, after that, everything that I did every day until today has been for the horse, to save horses and to make sure that no one tell us we cannot do something for a horse. And you have probably seen our, a lot of our cases and we are very popular because we don't give up on horses. And it's all because of that story. That defining moment um, has brought some miracles for some other people, which uh, in another segment we're actually going to talk and share uh, with our audience some of those miracles. Um, so that defining moment at eight, from that point forward, like your studies were obviously pointed in that direction. And then um, where did you go to vet school? Tell us a little bit about that process. So the first obstacle that I found the second day after uh, we had to put my horse down was uh, there was no vet school back home. So there was not a vet and there was no vet school. So I couldn't practice with anybody. I couldn't shadow anybody at that moment. And I didn't have any hope to go to vet school. So. I started researching and researching, and I found out that there were some vets in the island, obviously, in Puerto Rico, there were also other vets that went to the United States for vet school. And I started aligning the stars so that when I was able, I could go and shadow them. And they, most of them went, one of my main mentors, he went to the University of Pennsylvania for vet school. So he said, basically, you have to go to University of Pennsylvania and from now on, you have to study because you need good grades. And all you need to do is get there, study, get good grades, and you're going to go to vet school. And that's what I did. I study, I work, I shadow vets. I went to a racetrack and shadow vets as much as I could. And I went to the University of Pennsylvania for vet school. And then after that, I wanted to do more. So I went to Louisiana State University where I did a medicine and surgery internship to expand my knowledge even further on the topic. And then I moved to Florida. So you came to Ocala and did you immediately know, horse capital of the world, that you wanted to have a rehab center? I plan what you see right now, I plan it probably when I was 17, 18 years old. Oh my gosh. So you saw the I planned the, what I wanted to do and where we wanted to be. And so I, we started planning this way, way long time ago. It's amazing. Yeah. And yeah. look at where you are. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. amazing how, you know, the word and good energies, good deeds. And then get you. steps to finding this place. That's a, that's a very interesting story. You know that this was the. Mm -hmm sanctuary right. back in the day so someone already had already the idea mm -hmm. of the rehab and it's been here i think it was eight years before we got into it and one of my ideas i used to i used to use this place as a veterinarian and one day i sparkly ticks on me that maybe i should be involved with it so I'm going to make the story short. I'm just going to tell you that one day I made an offer to work here. And they told me no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I made an offer. I said, I want to work with you guys. I want to partner up with you guys. And they told me no. So if I didn't back up to become a veterinarian at eight, I, was, I wasn't going to back up from that idea. So I kept, you know, working, looking for avenues and... One day, one of my, probably a, one of my best clients, great friends that I owe him a whole lot, Mr. Michael Hall, he backed me up and he say, why don't we get the sanctuary? And I say, I have been wanting to do that for the longest time ever. Let's get it done. And that's how we did it. We partnered up and we got it. Amazing. 
a defining moment at eight, lost his horse very sadly in a bad accident uh, and said that's never happening to anybody again. Uh, went all the way to vet school uh, in Pennsylvania, came here, wanted to work here at the sanctuary, uh, was not accepted, and now it's his. And it's epic, and it certainly is epic what they can do here for horses. In fact, it's miracles. I'm Louisa Barton here with Dr. Alberto Rian at the Equine Performance and Innovative Center. The Equine Performance Center, Ocala, with numerous success stories and featuring the most advanced equine conditioning and rehab equipment available in the world today, is striving to be the best in the nation. Find them on the web at epcrehab.com and like them on Facebook now. This hour of the Horse Talk Show is presented by Palm Chevrolet in Ocala. Experience the difference in buying. Palm makes it simple with no pressure. The best sales staff and lots of inventory. Experience the difference at Palm Chevy in Ocala or online at palmchevrolet.com. Palm Chevy, find new roads. This show is brought to you in part by DAC Vitamins and Minerals of Florida. All horses need a solid immune system, excellent joint support, a healthy gut, and DAC has all the vitamins and minerals they need with the NASC stamp of approval. So like them on Facebook now or go to feeddac.com. DAC, it makes a world of difference. Our Facebook broadcast sponsor is Larson Farms. The Larson Farms mission is simple to be the leader in quality and value. Richard, owner of Larson Farms, is committed to a positive attitude, integrity, dedication, quality, and teamwork. Larson Farms is committed to being your supplier of Idaho's finest alfalfa, a complete line of mixed and grass hay. Larson Farms, Idaho's finest alfalfa. This show was brought to you in part by TT Distributors on West Highway 40. Stock up for summer and fly season now with fly masks, fly control and spray, vaccines, and all you need for a Florida summer. Tons of farrier supplies, healthcare, and stable supplies at TT Distributors. Like them on Facebook or online at ttdistributors.com. The Equine Performance Center, Ocala, with numerous success stories and featuring the most advanced equine conditioning and rehab equipment available in the world today, is striving to be the best in the nation. Find them on the web at epcrehab.com and like them on Facebook now. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. On the final segment of the Horse Talk Show, presented by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy experience. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. We are going to pop you over to the Pirelli's farm at home with the Pirelli's. This is segment number six in their journey of uh, getting to know each other, uh, coming up with their incredible program that has been world globally successful. And here they are at home with the Pirelli's at their farm here in Reddick. I hope you enjoy it. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show here at the Pirelli's Farm in Ocala, sitting here with two legends. Uh, we're home with the Pirelli's for a special series, learning a little bit about their life. We've been talking to Pat about how the program started. want to hear a little more about that and about some of his mentors. Take it away, Pat. Okay. Three legends. We got Moxie here, too. Yeah, that's Mo Moxie the Doxy. So, you know, trying to help, truly trying to help people and and... I found that most people who are really good at anything, I don't care if it's horses, music, skiing, martial arts, if they're really good at it, they're usually terrible teachers. It's an interesting phenomenon. There's very, very few people who are fantastic teachers. And, and what I try to tell people, or what I think of myself as, is a success coach. And what I do is I do empowerment training. I, I give people a little bit like... Uh, the karate kid, wax on, wax off, you know, all the things that his sensei had him do with it seemed like it had nothing to do with being able to, uh, you know, apply that in a, in a martial situation. Just the other day, I had a, a lady here. Um, she's only ridden horses two hours. She's owned a horse for two years. It's a, it's a young horse, so she's never ridden much. And she's done just a little bit of stuff on the ground. So I took her over and we did some simulations before we ever even went and touched the horse. And I got her doing some things, how to move her arm and, and use this, the carrot stick and the string and how to do it like a windmill instead of using her, you know, all these little things. And then when we got to the horses, she was like, I've been trying this for two years and I've not gotten any result. One, you know, just 
broke it down. And like, so I like to think about breaking things down, chunking it down, making it simple. And, um, I think one of the fortunate things for me is that I've been able to be mentored by some of the greatest real horsemen in the world. Tom Dorrance, his older brother, Bill Dorrance, uh, Ray Hunt, Ronnie Willis, Troy Henry, um, Freddie Knee, Freddie Ferreira, uh, Walter Zettel. I mean, these people were great horsemen, and they all had a similar philosophy. Do things with your horse and for your horse. Never do things to the horse. I had somebody, you know, I get this question. What do you do to a horse if he kicks at you or kicks you? This is, I usually jump out of the way, you know. And, and they go, no, what do you do to the horse? And I go, nothing. I'm, punishment doesn't work for prey animals. And people look at me like I've got two heads, maybe three. So to me, this, this whole thing of knowing species-specific behavior training and how do you get it. I mean, I've worked with Olympians, Olympic teams. Uh, one time we were in Spain and there was a horse they paid $500,000 euros, more than 500000 for, and he was in Grand Prix and he went to a, a, a dressage show in Vienna, walked in, got to the X, Went to salute. The judge stood up to salute back. The horse turned around and ran out because the horse was so bolted because he was so, you know, that scared him. And so they hired me. was there for three days. And that, by the time we were done, uh, it was Beatrice Salat. She was riding her horse Fabergé in her beautiful arena with the music on Blair, with, with five or six people playing Frisbee, volleyball, kicking soccer balls around. We were cracking whips, cracking jokes. And, I mean... People standing, jumping up and down, clapping in the tribune, and the horse never batted an eye. She went on to the Olympics. She went on. She went on to the Olympics with that horse. So, behavior seems like it's a loss to me. It's a lost science. It's a lost art. It's an art and a science. And so, the things that that all of these great horsemen have shared with me was that you do things with your horse and for your horse. That prior and proper preparation prevents poor performance. You know, people ask me this question. What do you do on a, if you're on a trail ride or something and this happens? I go, how about if you ask this question? How could I better prepare myself and my horse so that never happens on a trail ride? It's not what do you do then. It's like how do you prepare yourself and your horse so that everything goes seamless? You know, it's like flying an airplane. It takes that much preparation. And it's easy to make assumptions about horses and how easy this is. Get on, kick them to go, pull them to stop, use the reins to turn. It's completely the opposite of that. Wonderful. That was awesome. Linda, mentors for you. Um, well, Pat Pirelli. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I mean, I've been around a lot of riding instructors and of course, you know, they've all given me something, um, things that I've learned either theoretically or, or physically, but you know, Pat is definitely my horsemanship mentor. Nobody else. And then when I came back to dressage, uh, Walter Zettel, I was very, very lucky to, um, you know, meet him and, and Pat and I studied with him for years. Um, and then when he retired, Christoph Hess is my new mentor since about, I don't know, five or seven years it goes on. I can't even remember. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, what pulls us all together is that same philosophy that Pat was talking about. It's not that now I'm dealing with somebody else in a whole different track. And of course, there's people that, you know, still help me, like Janice Dulac and Meta Larsen. And, you know, it's not just Christoph because I can't, he's in Germany. I can't see him all the time. But then um, on the humanity side of things and, um, you know, this is as much a personal philosophy as it is a, a horsemanship thing. Um, Glenn Brady was somebody that I started studying with in the 80s, and um, his work around uh, what we now call humanality and horsenality was life-changing for me to really understand different personality styles and communication styles. And so I developed that into one where you could look at horse personalities called horsenality, which was world-changing and life-changing for a lot of people to understand their their horses. So Glenn was one, Robert Kiyosaki when it comes to experiential learning, uh, Dr. Stephanie Burns, who's a, a learning expert. They're huge mentors of mine that really influenced my life over many, many years and made me who I am today. So 
One final kind of question, kind of a big one. Do you think the, the majority of the problems that horses have stem from the people, not from the horse? In a word, yes. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I've lived through that myself, so it's nothing that I haven't experienced myself. But, you know, I have a saying, it's like, the horse was fine till we showed up. And I used to know this, you know, when I was um, working in the skincare industry and with customers. And, and, you know, they'd always say, well, you know, it takes two to have a problem. And so when I had that issue with my horse Regalo, I knew I was part of the problem. But anytime I talked to my riding instructors, they were like, oh, no, the horse is, is the stupid, crazy one. And Pat was the first one to say, it takes two. You know, you're either bringing out the best or the worst in your horse. And for sure, some horses are more challenging than others. There's no question. And I'm strangely drawn to very challenging horses. Um, and so you need more skill and you need more knowledge and you need more of this approach, not more force and more gadgets. And so, um, yeah, I think, you know, look at the horse. He's fine till we show up. Now let's bring out the best. Uh, Pat, I think we have about a minute left in this segment, so I'll let you answer that one too. People are the problem? <laughs> well, let's just put it this way. Horses with behavior problems is because they're very well-bred, overfed, and <laughs> under-exercised. Mentally, emotionally, and physically exercised. It's that simple. And when we start to exercise the mind, the body will follow. If we exercise the body, the mind will go away. So it, it that. It's who's at who's in who's who's in the controls, whether they're on the ground or the or the riding, and we're in control of their their um, program. You know, horses are like computers; they may never do what we want, but they always do what we tell them or what we program them to. So, be in charge. Be in charge. Home with the Pirellis at their farm in Ocala. Two legends, three. Yeah. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show. Legends Pat and Linda Pirelli, who are back in Colorado, or on the road by now, anyway. Thank you for joining us this week for the Horse Talk Show. We will be back at the same time next week, whether you're in Ocala, Marion County, Florida, the horse capital of the world or not. Happy horsing around. Until next time, and try not to watch the news.